You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 243 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on December 16th, where your hosts are going to talk a little bit about comic books and then go back to bed. That would be wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Well, we have a small lineup on this week's show. Wanted to touch on some DC stuff. And before I'd read it, Twitter did a great job hyping up the latest issue of Batman, issue 47, where this was going to be a big revelation issue. And I was like, all right, let's talk about it. The artwork was really nice in this issue. <laughs> what revelation are we talking about here? Well, this is when, uh, as written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo, Danny Mickey, and FCO Placencia, the stunning revelation of Bruce realizing that he really is Batman. Okay. Yeah, this was the big deal. Like, <laughs> I mean, overall. Really, this is supposed to be something that people weren't expecting? Yeah, seriously. I mean, I'm honestly shocked it took this long. <laughs> the, the main problem I'm having here is I really like the story they're trying to tell with Gordon as Batman. I'm interested in seeing more of that story. But as we said from issue one of this particular storyline, Having Bruce show up immediately in that issue just completely takes away the impact of having Gordon in that story because you always have, you know, that blade dangling over of, well, eventually Bruce is going to come back as Batman. So it has, as much as I'm interested in the story that they're trying to tell, I can't be interested in it because they keep reminding me that it's only temporary. Well, the other thing too is that the, um, the the stuff with Batman there it it reminds me very much of what was going on with Peter Parker with mm-hmm. Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. And I mean Dan Slott was really hyping it that, you know, Peter's gone and it was funny and it was fun and we really enjoyed that series a lot and which was surprising especially for me because I going in I didn't think I'd like it. This is essentially the same kind of thing. But, I mean, a few twists here and there. But I think because of how seriously it's trying to take itself versus Spider-Man, which was just zany and ridiculous, it was more acceptable, I found, in there. Whereas with this, it feels very much like a tired cliche. And the problem is that by writing it in such a way that Bruce is, um, the memories are gone. That's how they they said it. It's gone. And they make it seem like it's never going to come back. But we know damn well it will. Of course. So it's different than, you know, someone's memory or someone's spirit, whatever you want to call it, their essence, being trapped away, kind of what he did with Parker Slot. And, and this, it just, it feels very much like he painted himself into a corner. And there's not going to be, I, I shouldn't say that, it, it doesn't feel like there'll be an explanation that will f- 
feel like anything other than a cheat at the end for me personally. I have not been enjoying this story arc at all. And I mean, we've talked about Batman a lot over the years and what Snyder's done and the respect that we have for his writing. And I have really not liked this a lot. And while you're saying you like Gordon doing this role, and sure, it's interesting. I want to like Gordon Uh, doing the role. (laughs) I don't. I don't think it fits. We talked about that before, so there's no use rehashing it. But I just Mm -hmm. don't think it fits at all with that character, like at all, at all, at all. And it's changed the dynamics of how we as readers are integrating, or not integrating, but associating with the cast of characters that are so spectacular in the series. So I like, and this freaking bloom villain, completely uninteresting. I I could not care less about Dr. Bloom. He's horrible character. He's just a freaking horrible villain. Made me laugh because I was thinking about 10 fingers for daredevil kind of thing. It's that level of stupidity (laughs) that it's just like, Oh, this is ridiculous. So the story as a whole, and then we've got the Robin stuff going as well, which is, I not enjoying that either. So there was really not much that I enjoyed about this. And I, I've read the other ones as well. And it was like, no, I not at all. Yeah. And that's a great comparison to make between this and superior Spider-Man because reading Scott Snyder's Twitter right now is identical to reading Dan Slott's Twitter two years ago. Like identical. You, if somebody wanted to do the research, they could put their tweets side by side of Peter Parker's never coming back compared with Bruce Wayne is never going to be Batman again. And they are perfectly aligned. But like you said, the difference is that at least Slot felt committed. We knew it was going to change, but he gave us the feeling that it wasn't at points. Like right at the beginning, Peter was back inside Otto's head. And then within a couple issues, they had written that out. They, it was done in a more convincing way. And yes, it's something goofy enough that it does fit better with Peter Parker than with Bruce Wayne. So it, not just, that, not just the characters, but also the writers oh yeah. as well. And again, this is taking nothing away from Snyder. Again, tons of respect for what Snyder he does. Snyder is fantastic at what he does, but, but the, thing, the absurdity of this storyline is not in fitting with his style. And Slot comes off much more, and I mean this as a compliment for for just being jovial and having fun with mm-hmm. what he's doing. He's like a carnival barker. So when he is screaming, <laughs> Barker's gone, he's never coming back, I'm seeing this ringleader having fun and just kind of saying, you know, what's going to happen? Something horrible is going to happen here. They're going to fall off the tight wire or whatever. And it's all part of that carnival experience where you know everything's going to be all right and revert back to normal at the end. So you don't take the carnival Barker seriously. That's part of the fun. Whereas with Snyder and what's going on here, it feels very, very much like trying to build an epic storyline like the Court of Owls and things like that. But because of the cliche trope that he's using comes off way, way differently. And I Mm. simply don't enjoy it. And then, of course, you had the last page double reveal in this issue of the Joker showing back up, which, again, is just like, oh, it's. It's take taking away so much from the main story that they should be telling here. It's like, oh, now we're going to go through this. We're, we're going to have Bruce and the Joker working side by side at the community center. And the entire story going forward is just going to be sitting there waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it, 
I don't see it being a, a reasonable payoff in my eyes. And it just having one, and we talked about this, the, 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 the whole amnesia thing and how it's been overdone, especially in games and things like that. And having it here where Bruce is suffering from that. And it's never really made clear enough why kind of thing. Cause despite what the media would have us believe, it's a lot rarer than <laughs> what they think. And so having the Joker there and you don't really see whether or not it's he has amnesia as well or if he's just going to be playing with Bruce kind of thing. Right. So you don't really know, but it almost made to seem as if he's not playing him, that he might have lost some memories as well. And you're going like both of them, like the, the odds of that were astronomical. And it's, I know it's a common book and you got to just, you know, roll with it. But to a certain degree, there has to be sometimes when you go, well, that's just stupid. That just, it mm-hmm. just doesn't work for me. Like, and now you have me thinking of a couple years ago when they did the storyline where Carol Danvers had lost her memory and how much more effective that was. And I think it was because it had the stronger supporting cast. There were so many people who knew Carol personally that we could empathize with the situation. Whereas here, yes, we had that one great scene between Alfred and Clark. And that was it. Like, Batman does not have the interpersonal relationships that would make a storyline like this truly engaging. And I mean, that's just the character. Certain storylines work better for some characters and for others. And this definitely is not a Bruce Wayne storyline. Well, that's the thing too. Like looking back, I actually read three in a row here. And, uh, and when you read them back to back to back, it's like he's tried to tell this story about, about the, the, the change and, and, and things like that and what's going on with Bruce and, and with, with Gordon. But there's surprisingly little Bruce in here. Mm-hmm. Like for a story wherein he's the one that we care about, obviously, and we want to see what's going on in his life more. There's really, I felt, not nearly enough of that. And what's there is not always, well, point blank, interesting and... I mean, sure, you're trying to put him in an everyday man role kind of thing, but you still have to make it engaging writing. And to me, that there are moments where it does come through, but there are far too many moments where it does not. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Well, how did you feel about the other Batman comic we read this week? That being the first issue of Batman TMNT, written by James Tinney IV, art by Freddie E. Williams II, and Jeremy Colwell, who I'm a little disappointed doesn't have a number in his name. I would have put a first in there if that was me. <laughs> just, just because. That would have looked awesome on the cover and fit with the ridiculousness of the story. This was ton of fun. Exactly. I, it's, it, it was everything it needed to be. And then You're not going to have a super serious Batman Ninja Turtles comic. And well, I mean, it's it's it takes the 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 ridiculousness of the turtles of some storylines for the turtles kind of things, and and plays with it, and and you have that fun, and then you have those, which is what you would expect the the Bruce being like, what the hell is going on here, and trying to figure it out, and and things like that. But I mean, when you have a world wherein you have a killer croc 
turtles aren't that far off the radar either. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, I'm fighting ninjas now. This is what we're doing tonight. So I like that. I like that Croc is there so that it does. it, It actually lends credence to the turtles being there. Because that's one of the things that I wondered, how is he going to play with that? Because had they put any other villain kind of going there that's a humanoid, or I should say human, not humanoid, then you'd be like, yeah, it still doesn't feel right. But because it's Killer Croc, again, it's one of those turtles, Crocs. Okay, I'm on board. And so when he finally sees them at the end, it's again. I was actually a little disappointed they didn't recognize him kind of because they have a crocodile villain of their own. (laughs) I thought it was, again, beginning to end. I really liked everything that was going on. It was a lot of fun. And some of these panels. Oh, the artwork is phenomenal. The panel where the four turtles go up against Killer Croc and there's the big, this is for my pony racers, <laughs> is unbelievable. The art is amazing. So I just have one small complaint, and that's the Batmobile looks pretty stupid. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's hideous, hideous. It, like, you look at it, and absolutely nothing about it says bat. Like it's like it's it's the dog mobile, or it's like it's it's completely like disconnected from anything we would associate with how Batman stuff is supposed to look. And thinking of all the designs we've seen for the Batmobile over the decades, this is probably the most bizarre and outlandish and non-fitting of the bunch. Looks kind of like a scorpion head kind of thing. <laughs> it looks like a lot of things. Yeah, it doesn't look like the Batmobile. No, that's horrible. The one thing that I I kind of... How long is this going to run? Do we know? Four issues, I believe. Okay. Because the, the big Shredder Batman moment, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. It's over. What? <laughs> I mean, Bruce should be able to track this dude down. No problem. Smoke pellet wouldn't be enough to lose Batman. And, um, but knowing that it's going to continue, they're obviously going to build towards that later on. So that's going to be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, there's a lot to look forward to here. As far as a first issue is concerned, it did everything it needed to do. It set up the situation. It put the characters in believable positions where they would interact with each other. And it just made us really excited to read the rest. I incredibly high praise for a Batman Ninja Turtle crossover. Like, I, I was expecting so much that could have gone wrong here, but they nailed it at every point. Yeah, I was worried it might be just goofiness for the sake of goofiness. Or the other direction of, you know, Frank Millerizing it and just making it, you know, too dark and angry. But no, this was a perfect blend of the two universes. And I love that at the end. Batman's not even surprised when he sees them. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on. Not at all. And I was like, this it's is... It's not the weirdest thing he's seen that week. That day. <laughs> so, yeah. Weirdest thing he's seen that day was his car. <laughs> and then wrapping up our discussion this week, we finally got the final Dark Side War one-shot with Lex Luthor. Written by Francis Menopole, art by Bong Dazo, and Hi-Fi. I- I don't know. I didn't really care for this that much. Like it did the same thing as a lot of the other one shots of really trying to make us empathize with the character, which it's Lex Luthor. We're kind of not supposed to, but then ultimately nothing really happened over the course of 20 plus pages either. We got a flashback. He fell off a cliff and okay. It, it, 
It was probably one of the weakest ones of the bunch. I would say it definitely was. It it definitely was. All of the 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 flashbacks with him were once again cliched crap that we've seen how often. So I just could not get behind it at all. Yeah. I again I just there was I was really looking forward to this. It was the one I was most looking forward to out of the bunch because it was the most interesting setup. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know, maybe as far as like the main Dark Side War is concerned, it's gonna still be interesting, but as far as a character's piece, it did absolutely nothing for me. No, definitely. So yeah, I just wanted to touch on a few uh, DC issues this week. And uh the one we liked the most had Ninja Turtles in it. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> As for what else we've been reading this week, I just have a couple I want to touch on. Uh, the first of which would be Secret Wars. Issue 8 finally came out. Sorry. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> and it's so obvious to me. And again, as someone who's been really liking what they're doing in Secret Wars, that Issue seven and eight were supposed to be one issue and just for whatever reason, they couldn't make it work in a single issue because there's definitely one issue worth of story spread across 40 plus pages. And I like conceptually what they wanted to do here. There is just too little actually happening to make it seem like a worthwhile issue to read on the, on their own. Like if this, if these two issues had been one issue in and of itself and pared down and paced differently, I I think it would have been a lot more successful, but it's really bogged down the pacing of this mini series with these last two issues. I, I'm a little disappointed. What's been happening the last couple of issues. Seriously. Nothing. It's all been (laughs) a fight. Not even. It's been preparation for a fight. Well, no, there's fighting between characters and things like yeah. that. But, I mean, that's all that's been happening is just one gigantic fight between different characters. So that's all you're getting. You're not getting story elements that you can get behind and care about and things like that. I mean, a little with Val and Reed and stuff like that. Yeah, like, there have been few little. and far between. Like, a little bit with Namor and T'Challa that I really liked, but... Oh, again, there was enough character stuff across two issues that it was one issue's worth of development. Yeah, it was horrible. The There was one thing that I liked, and you could probably guess what that was. You can't? No. Thanos getting his spine okay. skull ripped out. <laughs> yes. Getting mortal combated by Dr. Doom. <laughs> that was the one. I saw that panel and I went, oh, this could be Vince's new screensaver, I guess, now. Because it is, it was very cool. Nice little speech kind of thing. And then for a moment I was wondering, okay, can he that's, actually stand toe-to-toe with That's Doom? been the entire thing Hickman's been doing here in Secret Wars. Give a monologue, get wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing happened to Cyclops. Uh, same thing even happened to Terax earlier in this issue. Just keep your mouth shut and you'll be fine. Yeah. So it was, that was the only thing that I liked. But the mm-hmm. rest of it was just, uh, wow. Yeah. It's just it's, a, 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 I'm going to have to quack it, but it's a cluster. Mm-hmm. Completely the entire story. That's all it is. I, I mean, it's just such a mess. It's unbelievable. And and now we're definitely seeing how far off the rails this crossover has gotten. It was supposed to have been done two months ago, and we're still waiting on the well, last issue to come out now. See, that's the thing, too. Like, we're reading all of the 
the, the stuff that comes after the end of this, and we have been for a few months, like that is horrible, horrible managing of your storylines. Mm-hmm. I don't care who's responsible or involved in this. That's horrible. And it's because we've been reading the other issues now for a few months. It's like, I don't even care about this. No. I mean, this, this means nothing anymore. There's no consequence because we're reading the, 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 the consequence-free issues now of everything else. So it's like, this is just, meh, whatever, who cares? Yeah, it's really sad because I was really enjoying this. Yeah. And then the other one I wanted to talk about was Gotham Academy. I believe it was issue 13, came out last week. It was their Robin War crossover. And I talked about how much I'm loving Robin War last week, but I still had to read this because I love Gotham Academy. And this was barely <laughs> involved with the Robin War. It was largely an issue of these characters we all love so much doing their own thing while one of the characters from We Are Robin showed up. And it was very enjoyable. And then even the last couple pages, Damien shows up. And I immediately had that reaction I always have when Damien shows up until I remembered I actually liked Damien when he was in Gotham Academy for that one issue. So there was a couple pages with a nice scene of him and Maps. And I'm like, okay, Damien, you're only allowed to exist in this comic once every six issues for a couple pages and you're fine. (laughs) Anything more than that, and I don't want you. But it's nice that a crossover that, I absolutely hated in the one issue I read, but it shows that a well-written comic can still get through these god-awful crossovers if they if they stick to it. Yeah. And did you want to talk about anything or you want to save your voice this week? No, I have to talk about some of these. I just won't say as much. Did you read the second Ultimates? Yeah, I did. I wasn't as crazy about it. Yeah, it... It wasn't what I was expecting. It was a lot of a lot of backstory, but a lot of like retconny backstory. And I still like the high concept stuff, but it it was a lot less enjoyable. Yeah. Did you read Gwenpool? No. (laughs) I tried. I swear I keep trying to read Deadpool comics. No, it was horrible. Did you read uh, Black Jack Ketchum? No. That's a new series and uh by Brian Schwer Shermer okay. Claudia Balboni and Jeremy Sally Boss Alba, whatever. Um it's an image. It it just the number one came out not long ago. Hmm. Um it's this weird kind of sci fi cowboy story. Or I should say cowboy sci-fi kind of story. Don't think Firefly, it's nowhere near that. But they kind of, he can go through portals to different Earths or whatever. It's it's not really clearly explained. And I was not crazy about it. All right. The, the writing was just, I, I didn't enjoy the writing at all. There were a few moments that were good, a uh, few scenes. But overall, I was not crazy about it at all. So sadly, I won't be continuing that one. The only other one that matters, I, I, I haven't been reading. Oh, I got it too. Did, have you read any of Paper Girls yet? I read the first issue and I went, okay, this is good, but not interesting to me. I This has been getting so much praise. And I thought, okay, I got to read this. 
I, I too only read the first one. I will read the other two that are out right now, but I've so far only read the first one. I'm going to have a hard time getting into teenage girl coming of age story just by default, but if it's well-written and I, I can go along for the ride, but then they went into the weird sci-fi territory and I was like, eh, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are really going to love this and there are, but I'm probably going to pass. See, I, I don't care if it's a story about girls coming of age. I don't, I don't have to relate to a story for me to be able to enjoy it. Like you were saying, if it's well-written, then it's well-written. It doesn't matter kind of thing. But it kind of like, it falls into certain tropes where the girls aren't always believable as girls mm-hmm. of that age. There's no girl that age that will know the War of the Worlds thing on the radio. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. I'd be amazed if you could find one. So when somebody starts in with that exposition to explain something, you're like, oh, come on, give me a break. Like, And there's different parts like that throughout as well. Not too many, but a few here and there. And then the concept was kind of with these whatever the hell time travelers these guys are, which I'm assuming is explained later on, but eh, whatever. Yeah. It, it, it didn't fit. You're trying to, present something that really out of place yeah because up until then it's more a darker version of say an archie comic and and i was all right with that or i should say maybe a more realistic and it's like okay i can get behind that but then you throw that in and you're like okay apparently that's not what i'm reading so i know that a lot of people again like had huge huge praise for this but I, it was okay, but I, I'm only going to give it a shot for a little while. And then after that, it's like, no, I, I don't know how long I'll stick with it. Yeah. Maybe once a few more issues are out, I'll circle back around and read some more. But as it stands right now, it's just not something I'm interested in. There's plenty of comics out there. I can't read them all. Exactly. Okay. Lastly, I got caught up on Vader just so that. We don't have to worry about spoilers anymore. Yeah, I saw you tweeting the pictures. (laughs) So I read all of the Star Wars. I read all of the Darth Vader, and then I read the the Vader down. And holy crap in hell. (laughs) I told you. Jesus. So writing, I I will say this, Aaron really ramped up the writing in Star Mm -hmm. Wars. Because initially we were like, but oh, he, he reigned that that in and and really is giving a tight wonderful story and then when you mesh that with the stuff that's going down in Darth Vader the 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 meaning of those two for Vader down just makes perfect sense and fits and is spectacular and the writing on Vader still continues to be the absolute best out of them when you're looking at that team of misfits and how absolutely fantastic the writing is, be it uh, the, the the quirky stuff with the droids or the more serious stuff with the Imperial intrigue and stuff. So now that you're caught stuff, up, that, that, that scene where Vader starts choking out Afra, I was losing my mind. <laughs> I found it completely believable. Oh, absolutely. But I was like, no, stop. Like, it was so believable. I thought he was going to kill her. Yeah. Yeah. There was, 
there were a bunch of parts of that. I think you were a little bit more um, impressed with how much of a badass he is in this than I was, or maybe you hyped it up a little bit too much because there are scenes like when he's going up against the entire squadron by himself and you're going, yeah, that's, that's, he is that badass, especially if you watched clone wars and stuff like that, he is that good of a pilot. So it makes sense. Um, but there was a lot of other parts where it's like, yeah, there's some, he, he, he's a horrible human being, but eh, not as bad as he could be. <laughs> There's room for improvement if he's looking for an award for the biggest badass in the universe. But uh, I mean, I, I'm just—it's one of the few times we've seen him live up to his reputation. I don't think he has yet. I'm hoping he will, but I don't think he has yet. There's there's a lot more rebels to kill, Roger. Oh, there is, and <laughs> those two droids. Oh my goodness! Are we've both played various Star Wars games the better was the old hk-47 is barely in the top three of awesome star wars droids and hk-47 was a phenomenal character and recently in the old republic uh, star wars the old republic there's now an hk-55 for the the knights of the fallen empire so you quest with him and he is great he is fantastic to the point of with uh, some stuff that's going to be coming out, they're going to give him to you as a permanent companion. That's how much mm-hmm. people love him. Pales in comparison to Triple O. Triple Zero is amazing. The the lines that he... I had to put the screenshots out just because they were so bloody well written. Like it was... It wasn't just him saying what you'd expect, like the HK meatbag stuff. No, it was clever. It was very, very clever. When he's when that guy's saying, do whatever you have to, I'm not going to talk. And he says, how adorable. <laughs> I'm going, I've <laughs> done that's, that. That's <laughs> the best thing. Like, they're not writing him comedically. They're writing him. Like, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're reading it and you kind of have a voice in your head. Like, they're making him, they're writing him as such like a deadpan delivery that it makes it that oh, much yeah. more awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so the writing for that is, again, I, I who is it again? Uh, Karen Gillan. Gillan, right. Uh, the writing has been just unbelievable. Beginning to end, every issue has been absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, that's it for me. All right, then. Give yourself a break. We're going to dive into new releases from Marvel this week. We have Amazing Spider-Man number 1.1 because God, we're already doing this again. <laughs> Darth Vader annual number one, Mighty Thor number two, Ms. Marvel number two, Silk number one. Silk number one. I don't think that's right. I think it's number two. A Squadron Supreme number one, Star Brandon Night Mask number one, Ultimate End number five, because reminder, Secret War still isn't over, Web Warriors number two, and Weird World number one. From DC, we have Batgirl number 46, Batman and Robin Eternal number 11, Justice League number 46, and We Are Robin number 7. Huge week from Image, we have Autumnlands number 8, I Hate Fairyland number 3, Invincible number 126, Phonogram the Immaterial Girl number 5, Tokyo Ghost number 4, Wayward number 12, and The Wicked and the Divine number 17. Boom Studios brings us the Spire number five. From Dark Horse, Dragon Age Mage Killer number one. We've both been really looking forward to that. From IDW, Gem and the Holograms Holiday Special 2015. (laughs) 
Judge Dredd, number one, didn't know there was a new series coming out from that. And one that actually looks pretty interesting for you, Raj, Star Trek Starfleet Academy, number one, again, focusing on the current movie versions of the characters. Cool. And from Valiant, we have Wrath of Eternal, Wrath of the Eternal Warrior, number two. And that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. We will be taking next week off for the Christmas holiday, but we will be back the week after that with our year-end wrap-up, which is sure to be a lot of fun. So until then, guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. <laughs>